<laughs> Amen. Who does it go to? Jesus. Not to me, not to them, not to him, but to him. Holy, holy, holy. Brother Sam, if you'll come.
patient and so kind. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Everything I need in Him I'll always find. He's a He's a wonderful Savior to me. I was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. He's a wonderful Savior to me. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Ladies Trio, come on up.
Y'all about ready? Ready to soak it up, ain't you? Just sing. You're the one who walked on water And you calmed the raging seas You command the highest mountains To fall down on their knees You're the one who welcomes sinners And you open blinded eyes You restored the broken hearted And you brought the dead to life Forgetting all our sins You remember all your promises You are amazing More than amazing Forever our God You're more than enough You are amazing With authority you've spoken And you've set the captive free You're the king who came to serve And you're the God who washed our feet You're the one who took our burdens And you bled upon the cross In your kindness and your mercy You became the way for us Forgetting all our sins You remember all your promises And you are amazing More than amazing Forever our God You're more than enough You are amazing More than Forever our God, you're more than enough. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, oh, how glorious, you are amazing. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, oh, how glorious you Oh, how wonderful, oh, how glorious you, I messed it up, sorry. Oh, how marvelous, oh, how wonderful, oh, how glorious you are, and you are amazing, more than Amazing Forever our God More than enough Sing this part with me How marvelous How wonderful And my Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come to this place, to worship, to lift praises to you and to your son who died on the cross for our sins. Father, bless Brother Nathan tonight as he stands before us and sings and preaches from your word. Yes, God. Use him in a powerful way. Change us. Your will be done and nothing else. In Christ's name, amen. If you have your Bibles this evening, Psalm 73, the 73rd Psalm tonight. It is a Psalm of Asaph, and this evening we are going to look at this Psalm. Thank you so much.
Brother Paul and choir and singers, specials, congregation singing. It's been great. Amen? I have thoroughly enjoyed myself. I've been like a dog, a hunting dog, that's been placed in a box and carried out into the woods to go hunting. First hunt of the season. I've been excited. I've been waiting. And I have to admit to you, as much as I've enjoyed song service, I've been like a dog waiting on everybody to finish their coffee so we can go hunting. I've been excited and I've enjoyed it very much. And I hope and pray that you've received a blessing. And I have just uh, thoroughly enjoyed worshiping with you yesterday and been looking forward to being with you tonight. Appreciate you being here. I know that many of you have very busy schedules and many of you have your children here tonight. And I hope and pray that the Lord blesses your heart this evening. In the 73rd Psalm, we read a Psalm of Asaph, a choir director back in King David's day. He said, truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly, who prosper in the world, they increase in riches. Well, verily I've cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. Now if I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against a generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How they are brought into into desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awakeneth, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast held me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. May the Lord bless the preaching of His Word this evening. I want you to notice that here in our psalm this evening, that we find a very honest, very plain, very simple testimony. We find that the psalms are filled with stories of people who have experienced something of the Lord, And they unabashedly share with us their experience. They say some things and they share some things that you and I wouldn't share and wouldn't say. I want you to know that they are bluntly honest with us and I'm thankful for that. Because they share with us what it means to be a child of God. We see their struggles. We see their triumphs. We see the times of rejoicing. We see the times of sorrow. We see the times of bold acts of faith. And then we see the times of running away in fear. We see it all. But I want us to notice this evening that in this psalm, we see something that is as old as the people of God. We see a a, a struggle of a man who is trying to wrap his brain around something and his mind around something and get his thoughts in order of something that is troubling him. As he began to look around in the world around him, he began looking at those who were not living for the Lord. 
And as he looked around him, he said, you know what, it seems like they ain't got it so bad. It seems to me like they're doing okay. But here I am, trying to live for the Lord, trying to serve Him, trying to do what's right, and all I've got is troubles. All I've got is sorrow. All I've got is uh, uh, is just tons of problems in my life. Well, friend, I want you to know something. It is a struggle that every child of God has always ever had. But I want you to know something, my friend. We find that this is something that has always troubled mankind. If you have your Bible still open, turn with me to Job chapter 4. And I want us to notice here that this was a problem that Job's friends had. They said, surely that if somebody is going through some bad times, surely they must have done something wrong. Now I want you to listen to what he said in this. And I think that this is so interesting. Over the book of Job chapter 4, we find one of the very first friends that come along and talk with Job. They basically diagnose his problem right off the bat. Don't you love those type of people? They know exactly what's wrong with you. And they'll be glad to tell you if you just ask them. Matter of fact, you don't have to ask some of them, do you? They'll go ahead and tell you. Won't even charge you for it. I want you to know something. That's the way Job's friends were. They come along and boy, they thought they were going to help him out. And man, they made his day a whole lot more miserable, I'm afraid. But listen to what old Eliphaz had to say in, 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 in Job chapter 4. I want you to listen to what he said there. He said in verse 7, Remember I pray thee, whoever perished being innocent, or where were the righteous cut off? He said, even as I have seen, they that plow in iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same. By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of His nostrils are they consumed. Now what was he saying in this? He was saying very simply, Job, you've sinned, buddy. you got sin in your life. That's why God has taken away everything that is near and dear to your heart. That's why you've lost all your money. That's why you have lost your home. That's why you have lost your children. That's why your wife left you. Is because you got sin in your life. Well, friend, I want you to know something. We find very plainly at the very beginning of the book of Job that God says that he was a righteous man. That's not the testimony of man about Job. That's the testimony of God about Job. And I want you to know something, my friend. Not every trouble and trial of life is as a result or a direct result, rather, of sin. But I want you to know that oftentimes God can end up using that to be a blessing in our lives. We see here back to the story of Asaph in Psalm 73. We find a similar story of a man who was trying to serve the Lord and he was dealing with this uh, uh, perplexity of mind when it come to the idea that it seemed like all those who weren't living for the Lord seemed to be doing okay. But he was trying to live for him and everything went down. Now I want you to notice how he began this psalm. The Hebrews in their writings often began, if you will, with a full story. You read Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And then for the rest of the chapter, we have all the details filled in for us, don't we, about how all that took place. Well, I want you to know it's the same way here. We find that he ended, or began rather, with the ending. In other words, when we read verse 1, this is a story of Asaph after he went through his problem. After he got through his issue, and this is what his exclamation was. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such that are uh, as, a, uh, as of a clean heart. I want you to notice something, my friend. What we find here is that this is what Asaph ended on. Now, it doesn't matter the problems that you may go through in life. It doesn't matter the difficulties that you may have to endure in life. But, my friend, if you can end on that note, you have made it. You've made it. As long as you can acknowledge that God is always good. I want you to notice what he said in his exclamation. He said, truly, God is good. Now, it's an exclamation. He said, absolutely, he's good. Certainly, he's good. Surely, he's good. You've got to know that God is always good. Friend, I want you to know that no matter what you go through in life, no matter the things that you may have to face, I want you to know that God is always good. And you know what God's goodness does? I love that Romans 8.28. His goodness and His grace causes Him to move with love and compassion upon His children to make sure that all things work together for good to them that love God. I want you to know it doesn't mean that everything in life is good. But I want you to know that always God is good. 
And God is going to do good by us. I want you to notice here also, we see that God is good all the time. He's certainly good. For quantity, He's the greatest. For variety, He's the choicest. For quality, He's the sweetest. For security, He's the surest. And for duration, He is most lasting. I want you to know something, my friend. God is good. But I want you to know that He's not only just good in general. He's good specifically. He's good to His people. Notice that he defines it when he says, truly, God is good to Israel. Now, there was a national Israel, and there were those that were members of the nation of Israel. But then he defines it a little bit more, and he says, even to such as are of a clean heart. Oh, what a blessing that is. Do you know what that tells me? God is good, not just to the world around us. But I want you to know that God is good to his people. He's especially good to His people. And His people enjoy His goodness greater than anybody. I want you to know that God is good to Hollywood. Even though they mess up, and I love it when they do. God's good to them. His grace is extended to them as much as it was to me. But I want you to know something. Because I've received His grace, I get to know His goodness. I get to experience His goodness. God is good to the world, but God is especially good to me. God is certainly good to me. God is always good to me. Oh, my friend, God is good, and God is good to those that are of a clean heart. Now, we began, if you will, with the end. That's where he started. But then he goes back and he says, But as for me, there in verse 2, As for me... It's kind of a change in tenor. I mean, we read the first verse and we all shout, Amen! Boy, that's true and that's right. But then Asaph said, now just wait a minute, as for me, as for me, I like to mess up. As for me, I like to really, really have forsaken what I just said. Now let me tell you the story. I don't know how it went. We don't know all the details of Asaph's life. But as we read this psalm here, we find it very plain. Asaph was a choir director. And maybe he was on his way to choir practice one day. And along that way, he was, I'm sure, had troubles at the house. You know how it is. You get ready to go to church, that's when the devil shows up at the house. Amen? Amen. It does. It does. Every Sunday. Every, every, every time we got revival, you know. And you bring him to church and you just, Lord, I pray that acts right in front of those people. Oh, Lord, don't let it be heathens in front of others. And you bring them to church. And I'm sure that Asaph faced that. Man, he was just glad to get out of the house and get away from them. His poor wife had to sit there with him. But he's on his way to Sunday school, and as he's going along, he glances over there to Joneses. And oh, Mr. Jones, he's done got his boat hooked up. He's going fishing. And oh, man, Asaph hadn't had a chance to go fishing in months. Boy's been missing it, been wanting to go fishing, but he's been busy organizing the choirs there for, for, for David there in Israel. He's been busy trying to lead in the worship and praise of the Lord. Uh, Jehovah, he, he's been all tied up and he ain't been able to go fishing. And boy, I tell you what, in his mind he's thinking to himself, I wish I could go fishing. And then he goes a little bit further down the road and he sees the walkers and the walkers are loading up their SUV. They're going to Disneyland for the second time in a year. And he thinks to himself, now you know that's not of the Lord. <laughs> Wish I could take my family to Disneyland. It's hard to do it on a choir director's salary. He goes a little bit further down. Sees other folks gathering up for a barbecue. He sees all these things going on. And he began sinking in his mind. You know what? It doesn't seem like they got all the problems I got. It doesn't seem like they got all the troubles that I got. I got problems in my life. I'm trying to live for the Lord. I'm trying to do what's right. I'm trying to raise my family right. I'm trying to serve God. And I've got all these troubles. And it seems like they ain't got no problems at all. He went so far as to even say, it don't even seem like they suffer when they die. Now I want to tell you something. He's thought some crazy thoughts. And the Holy Spirit led him to put them down. I'm thankful the Holy Spirit hadn't led me to put mine down yet. And that those crazy thoughts stay crazy thoughts. Because he come to a point to where he almost said something. 
And this is what we find halfway through the psalm. He comes down to a point and he says, I almost opened my mouth. Now remember last night we learned what size mouth that we all have, right? Uh, it's, it's relational to the shoe size that we have. And so Asaph was almost to that point. He almost showed up to choir practice and said, listen, I just don't know. I just don't know if it's worth it serving the Lord. But my friend, I want to tell you something. He stopped short. He said, I better keep my mouth shut. I better not say that thing. He felt foolish. Oh, he felt like a fool. Do you know what the turning point for him was? The turning point for him was until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I therein. (laughs) Oh, God did set them in slippery places. God has them in places where, yes, they seem to be sure and solid and steadfast, but they're very slippery and they're going to fall. Friend, I want you to know something. Isn't it amazing how you can have those struggles and those battles? You go to school, you go to work, you go to places around town, you take care of your business, you do all of that, and you have all these battles and you have these struggles. You try to get ready to come to revival. You try to get ready to come to Wednesday night church. You try to get ready to come to church Sunday morning, all of that. And you come in and you're just just frustrated, aggravated, and you come in and then God just blesses your heart. Or you come in and you question and you're wondering, you know, is it really worth it all? But then the choir gets up and they sing, yes, it is worth it all. And it will be worth it all. Because Asaph was reminded that he has a whole lot better place. Friend, I want you to know something. He was in a conundrum, if you will. But he got through it and he was reminded of how good God is. I want you to notice in that verse too, he said, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. When his convictions began to waver, his feet began to give way underneath the weight of doubt. When the doubts overtook his thoughts, his steps began to slip. And that slipping was like a pouring out of water. I've got a four-year-old. And there is not a week that goes by that we don't have to clean up after something he spilled. He spills everything. And I think about that when I think about Asaph saying, I almost spilled. I got out of the bounds. I almost stepped outside of where I should be. And friend, I want you to know there's a very, very dangerous temptation to do that. This is not an easy thing for a person to admit. But Asaph admits and said, I almost forsook the foundation of my very first faith. And that is that God is good to me. But notice that we see that he had nearly slipped, but thank God he didn't. Notice two words in that verse. He said, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. Many years ago, I went to a preacher meeting, if you will, with a pastor in our work. And we had stepped on an elevator in a hotel. And there were other conventions going on at the time and different things taking place. And two ladies stepped on the elevator with us. And me and him were in the back and the ladies had come in right after us. And I guess one of the ladies was a sales lady. And boy, she was really selling up her, her business. And I'll never forget the phrase that come out of her mouth. I didn't really even know what the word meant, okay? <clears throat> so y'all get ready. She looked at this other lady and she said, We are on the precipice of huge growth. And I mean, just like that. Dramatic, had the flair, all of that. And he kind of looked at me and I kind of looked at him and then they got off the elevator and we nearly busted out laughing. Now for one, I had to ask him what the word precipice meant, okay? So don't, don't, you know, don't laugh at me too bad. I didn't know what that meant, but it means basically the edge of something. And then they said the precipice of huge growth. You know what? I don't know that I have ever heard an honest preacher say that. I don't know that I've heard an honest Christian say that. Do you know that oftentimes we find ourselves not on the precipice of huge growth, but on the precipice of falling short? But I want you to know something that doesn't mean that you have just yet. You may be on the edge. You may be where Asaph is at. You may be at the point of an almost or a well nigh. But praise God, 
His grace is sufficient. It is a temptation, no doubt. It is a temptation to sin, yes. But praise God that it is not a sin within itself. And praise God that there had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I want you to know that He will provide you a way. But then finally, I want you to know that just because you have some bad thoughts, just because you have some thoughts of, well, I may not make it or maybe it's not worth it all, I want you to know you're not alone in that. If you will, turn with me to Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians chapter 4. And I want us to notice one verse here of where Paul was talking about all of his troubles and all of his trials and all the things that he had to endure in life and all those difficulties, all of those perils that he went through. And in in the midst of all of that, this is what he said. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 8, he said, We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Now notice this next phrase. We are perplexed, but not in despair. The word perplexity means not knowing how to proceed. In other words, I don't know what to do. You ever get to that point in life? You don't know what to do. Those kids come home with that report card or that disciplinary form. (laughs) We don't know what to do. That doctor comes in and he gives you that diagnosis. You don't know what to do. You're fine. You just don't have any direction in life and you're just at a loss. You don't know what to do. Paul said, the apostle Paul said, we've been that way. There have been times we hadn't known which way to turn. But he said, we're not in despair. To be in despair means to be wholly without resource. It means to be without hope. And friend, I want you to know there may be things in your life where you think to yourself, I don't know which way to go. I don't know which way's up and which way's down. But I want you to know this. If you're a child of God, there is hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is hope in the Lord. Don't give up and don't quit. You may be on the very edge. You may be thinking in your mind, you know what, I just don't know if I want to go to that church again. I don't know if I want to go down there and listen to that skinny preacher anymore. I don't know if I want to go down there and bring my family to that place anymore. I I don't know if I want to live for Christ anymore. My friend, you may be on the edge. Young person, you may be on the edge thinking, you know, I don't know if I want to live for Christ in my school. But I want you to know something, my friend. It is worth it all if you turn back to the Lord. Get back to the house of God. Get back to the sanctuary of God. Understand their end and understand your end as well. Because, my friend, our end is a whole lot better. Oh, he said, I was foolish. But God set me straight. He said, you're continually with me. You're with me. You've got me by my right hand. You're going to lead me and guide me and one of these days take me home to glory. Oh, my friend, at the very close of that psalm, he said in those last two verses, For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. That's how a person can come full circle. They recognize and realize that yes, God is good. Now I want to tell you how good God is. God is so good that He knew you before you ever came along. God is good enough that knowing that you would come, He knew also that you would come and you would be born with a sin nature. For the Bible says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, so the death hath passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And I want you to know something, my friend, that sin has been passed down to each and every one of us. And God knew that, but yet God is good. God being good, but at the same time being just and holy and righteous in every way, He couldn't overlook that sin, and He couldn't say, well, we'll just not worry about that. 
Because he cannot violate his own will and his own word. He's not going to do that. But what he chose to do is he said, I'm going to show you my goodness by sending my son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for your sins. He went to that cross and there died. The Bible teaches very plainly that he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I want you to know something, friend. Jesus died for you. You say, well, I didn't ask him to. Don't matter. God's still good. He did it anyway. And he did it so that you can be saved. He not only crucified his only begotten son. He was buried and in three days he rose him from the grave. My friend, God is good. So that all we have to do is call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. It's as simple as plain as that. My friend, God is good. Maybe you are a child of God. You've come to a point and you've wondered in your mind, in your heart, is God really that good? My friend, I want to assure you that He is. But you'll not know it until you, in a very personal way, the same way Asaph did, turn back to the Lord. I went back to the sanctuary is what Asaph said. I learned what God had to teach from His Word. And I understood how wonderful a God that I serve. I want you to know, child of God, it will be worth it all. It'll be worth it all. Let's stand. We're going to have a word of prayer and then we'll have a hymn of invitation. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have allowed us to gather this evening We're thankful for your word and we're thankful for the work that it does in our hearts and in our lives. And Father, I just pray that you take your word and use it as you see fit tonight to accomplish those things which you desire for it to do. Lord, for the one that's lost, I pray for their salvation. I pray that they might come and taste and see that the Lord is good this evening. For those that are saved. Lord I pray that you might encourage them in their walk with you. That you send a revival to their hearts. To their homes. And Lord to this church. We ask it all in Jesus name. Amen. Let's sing tonight you come.
How do you open that door, preacher? By faith. By faith you open that door. Let him in. Be saved tonight. Do not leave this place lost. If you should have walked this aisle and you didn't, if you should have already prayed and got saved, 